Hello and welcome to another installment of The Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. Malifaux has no shortage of gamblers or madmen. Both are sometimes exploited by those in power. But on today's episode, we have two stories that demonstrate that the tables can sometimes be turned. We begin with Your Lucky Day, and we close with Blackwood Hospital. I hope you enjoy. Your Lucky Day by Chris Gorham Gwyneth paused in her examination of the latest deck of cards and rubbed her eyes. The soft yellow glow of the factory's oil lamps wasn't really sufficient for her work and this was her sixth double shift of the week. She blinked a few times and checked the last few cards for flaws. Casually, one-handed, she cut the deck, riffled it, and fanned out the cards. Concentrating, she ran a finger down the pack until she found the one that felt right. She knew without looking that it was the Ace of Crows, and that its moment would come during one of the few unrigged card games at the Honeypot, Dealer's Blackjack. House takes all. A subtle crackle of energy played across the card's face as she pulled it from the deck and slipped it into her bodice. She smiled as she packed the remaining cards into a box and sealed it. That moment of fortune was hers now, along with all the others. This week's shifts had been very productive. A fine morning to you, Mr. Harrisham, the Weasley man began, his gnarled hand extended. My associate and myself would just like to have a bit of a chat about the packs you've been sending us. Aversham shook the offered hand and looked from the diminutive speaker to his companion, a colossal slab of muscle with eyes sunk in an expressionless but somehow menacing face. He'd heard of these two, and their presence surely meant nothing good. He smiled nervously and leaned back in his chair. Is there a problem with the product? I assure you we check every card individually for distinguishing marks and imperfections. Havisham cards are synonymous with quality. The giant, seemingly a little behind the flow of conversation, extended an enormous hand to Havisham. He reluctantly shifted his weight forward and shook it. The smaller man smiled, though Havisham couldn't help feeling it was more of a leer. Synonymouse, is it? Fancy. The huge thug wasn't letting go. Havisham tried to tug his hand back, but it might as well have been caught in a bear trap as the pressure of the man's grip increased. His associate leaned in close, his sharp features only inches from Havisham's face, his breath carrying a cloying sweetness that made Havisham feel ill. The packs ain't all there, Mr Havisham. Sometimes there's cards missing. Normally that would be an annoyance, but here's a funny thing. The casinos had some losses lately. Nasty ones. Not the kind where we can take the punters downstairs, if you see what I'm saying. Havisham had no idea what he was talking about and was having trouble focusing while the bones in his hand were grinding against each other. Anyways, we checked. Every time it was one of your fresh packs, and every time there was a card missing. 
bit of a coincidence, wouldn't you say? One of Havisham's fingers gave way with a muffled click, and he screamed. Fighting for composure, he managed to stammer, What do you want me to do? Nothing. We'll take care of it. You maybe want to start looking for some new employees, though. Could get messy. Havisham's face was pale and sweaty, and he stared into his tormentor's eyes without comprehension. Well, it's been swell chatting with you, friend. Have a pleasant day. There was a crunch as the giant clenched his fist. Havisham gasped, his eyes rolled back, and he slumped limply in his chair. The two figures turned to leave. The stench of her magic is thick in this place, the bigger one growled. Do you smell it? Powerful mojo. The smaller one snapped, too big for us alone. The giant nodded solemnly. We should speak with Matheson. It's a bit strong calling it theft, ain't it, Sarge? I mean, one card out of a deck, that's barely stealing at all. Sergeant Galen scowled at the younger guard. It's taken something that don't belong to you, Bellum. What the heck would you call it? She grimaced and quickly added, No, don't answer that. Just shut up and keep your eyes peeled. This is pro-union territory. We're not welcome here. Andrews, one of the other guards, scoffed. Come on, Sarge. You worry too much. Nobody's gonna tangle with us while Brunhild's around. The sergeant nodded, forced to concede the point. It would be a foolhardy agitator indeed that stood against Brunhild. The hulking peacekeeper was lethal suppression incarnate, even with the little red bow that Bellum had insisted on fastening just behind its head. So you can tell she's a girl, Sarge. She could feel the ground tremble through the soles of her cheap boots with every precise, piston-driven step it took. The five of them, six if you counted Brunhild, rounded the corner of a warehouse, and the sergeant held up her hand for a halt. Havisham's, she pointed. Her work area's in the southeast corner. Keep your guard up. If she resists, shoot her. I still don't see why she's getting the heavy treatment, Sarge. Bellum piped up. What are we expecting this lass to do? Galen fixed him with a stern expression and cocked the hammer on her collier. Questioning orders, Bellum? He shook his head ruefully. Of course not, Sarge. It's just... It would be so nice if something made sense for a change. Gwyneth savoured the taste of her latest captured moment. A ten of tomes, an unlucky bust in a game where some drunken fool had bet his entire fortune and then some, as she set the latest sealed pack in the crate by her workbench. Her own deck of cards, nestled in its secret pocket, made her skin tingle with its accumulated power. The factory floor was almost deserted at this time of night, with only a few workers remaining to ensure that nothing went wrong with the clattering printing presses. With a furtive look to make sure nobody was watching, she drew the pack and shuffled it, letting its power thrill her. She dealt five cards onto her workbench, a royal flush of rams. Laughing quietly, she dealt again, two pairs, aces and eights. Startled, she stepped back and the wall next to her exploded. 
Gwyneth screamed as jagged pieces of brick showered over her, leaving grazes in the exposed skin of her face and arms. Through the dust, she saw a huge chunk of masonry lying across the space she had been standing in moments earlier. A hulking steam construct was forcing its way through the broken wall, piston-driven claws casually tearing away the bricks. Its ponderous head swung towards Gwyneth, and its glowing lenses focused on her. She turned and ran. Behind her, she could hear human voices shouting, and a moment later there was gunfire. The deck in her hand was crackling, and with every bullet that whistled past her, missing by the merest fraction, a card would flare and turn to ash. She hadn't had time to complete it, and its magic was unstable. The moments she'd stolen were being lost one by one. I had her dead to right, Sarge. Something's wrong. Galen nodded, her face grim. Spread out. Find her. Gwyneth was fighting to stay quiet and keep her breathing steady. Her deck was burning out much faster than it should. Crouched behind one of the presses, she could see the ragged hole in the wall left by the peacekeeper's entrance. One last dash, a bit of luck, and she'd be gone. Half-crouched, she padded softly across the rubble-strewn floor. She'd done it. She was free. A wooden beam swung by someone outside hit her in the face so hard that her vision went black. Points of light danced around her. She was flying, drifting through the night sky. It was peaceful. Or was she falling? The ground rushed up to meet her and... She was alive. Her head was agony. She was sore all over and she felt sick. Somehow what remained of her deck was still in her hand. Gwyneth opened her eyes and was greeted by a chorus of pistol hammers being cocked in unison. Easy, a gravelly female voice ordered. No sudden moves. She tried to get a look at the woman's face, but her eyes didn't want to focus. Gwyneth Maddox. The voice continued. By order of the governor's secretary, you are under arrest. If you resist, we are authorized to kill you. Do you have anything to say? Gwyneth sat up carefully and gave the sergeant a bloodied smile. Yeah, she rasped. Good luck with that. With all her remaining strength, she hurled the last of her deck at the guards, the cards flitting and sparking in the air. Five guns went off at once with a deafening report, each weapon misfiring catastrophically and disintegrating into burning shrapnel. A stray piece shot through one of the peacekeeper's eye lenses and lodged in its control cortex. Three of the guards died almost instantly as a construct's threat assessment matrix short-circuited, their bodies crushed by massive steel claws. The sudden motion jarred the machine, and an old hairline fracture in one of its primary thoracic rotator cogs gave way. With a grinding howl of shearing metal, the peacekeeper's torso accelerated into an uncontrolled spin, its flailing arms catching the fourth guard and scattering his body in pieces. Sergeant Galen had taken only a second or two to recover from the loss of her pistol, and she rushed forward through the expanding cloud of cards and ash, drawing her sword. 
Ignoring the chaos behind her, she locked eyes with her target and lunged. The peacekeeper's harpoon fired without guidance, but it found a mark nevertheless. The barbed hook caught the sergeant in the thigh, biting deep. Her blade just nicked the skin of Gwyneth's throat before the rapidly winding cable hauled her off her feet and into the whirling claws. Her howl of anger abruptly cut short. Overwhelmed by the forces it was subjected to, the peacekeeper's boiler ruptured, and Gwyneth blacked out. Brunhild's tattered red ribbon fluttered to the ground. Someone was carrying her, cradled like a baby. She looked up into the impassive face of a giant. Walking next to them was a reedy, weasel-faced man. Ah, Miss Maddox, you're going to need a new job, the little man sneered. Fortunately, we could really use someone with your skills at the casino. So, he snickered, it looks like this is your lucky day. Blackwood Hospital by Robert Kosmeski. Do you mean to imply, Mr. Hall, that there have been no incidents at the Malifaux Sanitarium? Dr. Blackwood asked, his voice patronising. He stared hard at the Guild's accounting clerk, intending to intimidate the man. He was the medical authority here and intended to make the clerk recognise that. After that escape incident, your authorities expressly asked me to come through the breach and create something a little more beneficial to both the mentally ill and the surrounding society. It's hard for me to stomach any implication that my services are not needed. Mr. Hall considered his response carefully, buying time by cleaning his spectacles with a handkerchief. He tried not to take offence at Dr. Blackwood's tone. He already did not like the psychiatrist and would factor that into his report to the Guild superiors. I meant no implication, he said after an exasperated sigh. I simply said that with one facility in place to store the insane, it would be hard to fund another. Blackwood smiled. He had the clerk over a barrel now. Storage he said as he leaned forward, is precisely the problem. You throw medication at your patients. You subdue them. You perform outdated psychiatric practices on them in futile attempts to render them innocuous. On my side of the breach, we've advanced beyond glorified incarceration. We seek to rehabilitate and restore these poor victims to make them functioning members of the community. He analysed Hall's face, seeing both exasperation and confusion in the bureaucrat's eyes. There was no chance of pitching the project on a financial level. He had to capitalise on the clerk's lack of medical knowledge. Insecurity with an unknown topic would make the man malleable. He'd be more amenable to the idea of creating a new and better hospital. Blackwood planned to close the meeting by showing proof of his methodology. First, he needed to discredit the current institution's processes. 
Your organization has a dubious reputation. It is overcrowded, full of people your guild view is human detritus. Psychiatry will help those people return to baseline functionality. I am sure the governor would like to see able-bodied workers back in the mine or the steamworks. Please tell me if I am wrong. So we have a psychiatrist at the sanitarium, Paul replied, his voice tinged with irritation now. Dr. Morrows is in charge there, and he is well qualified to... Qualified by whom? Blackwood interrupted. Certainly not by any governing body responsible for psychiatric oversight. We arrive at the heart of the problem, the root causes of the failures. With all due respect to your government, this city is a simple frontier town, and it is run thusly. It makes sense, of course. Limited resources, limited qualified personnel. Your lawmakers do what's best for the majority of their citizens' safety without recognizing what's best for the society as a whole. Healthy workers, lowered violence at the hands of the mentally ill. This is what I offer. An end to an overcrowded building that stores people as a warehouse might store grains. What value do unused or rotted grains bring to society? None. Clark Hall answered absent-mindedly, showing just the right amount of discomfort with the topic. It was time to press the advantage. None. Blackwood repeated with dramatic emphasis. Let me show you another way. Come. He rose from behind his desk and motioned for the clerk to follow. Hall fell in step, taking in the facility as they walked. The building was mostly empty, save for occasional pieces of furniture used by a handful of workers helping to get the proposed hospital ready. The few desks and chairs scattered about looked to be a hodgepodge of designs lacking uniformity. It was an odd juxtaposition with the elaborate guild offices Hall called home. Have you furnished the place yourself? He asked the doctor, as much to make small talk as to explore the man's spending habits. I did, if you can call it furnished, Blackwood replied over his shoulder as they continued down the long hallway. Though the Collins University Board of Psychiatric and Psychological Wellness arranged my presence here, their budgetary decisions are focused on the other side of the breach. I pay for the few staff I have, rented this space, and provided a bit of capital needed for to get underway. When you see the proof of our work, you'll no doubt understand the potential that guild money can bring to our patients. Paul doubted that any proof the doctor presented could live up to the man's bluster, but his role dictated that he evaluate the doctor's progress. He had nothing positive to say about Blackwood, given the condescension to he'd endured. The governor would suffer no fools, and so far, Hall wanted to portray this man as just that. Maybe they'll send him back across the breach so I can avoid any unpleasant meetings in the future, he thought as they walked. The walk seemed eternally long. The building was much larger than the current sanitarium and would hold a much larger patient population, even if all it did was house the sick and keep them off the street. Hall had to admit, the size was a benefit. 
the location concerned Hall. Placing a large population of the insane so near to old Malifaux seemed to be courting trouble. Impressive structure, Hall said as they approached a hand-painted sign pointing toward the treatment rooms. But isn't it dangerous to be so close to old Malifaux? Wouldn't that draw attention from some of the original denizens of the city? It would be the responsibility of your guardians to keep the patients safe from the Neverborn, Blackwood stated as he unlocked a door underneath the treatment sign. If I had my druthers, I would have preferred a more central location. Sadly, concerned citizens voiced discomfort with an asylum being too near their homes, given your history of troubles. He opened the door to a stairwell, and the two men went down to the next floor. Here we are, Blackwood said when he reached the landing. He unlocked a set of double doors, and they entered another hall, stopping at the first room. A closed door appeared to be made of thick iron, similar to those found in the jail. This is the temporary home of patient 1078, as your staff calls her. Here she goes by the name of Mary Jensen, the name she knew before her sickness began. Paul recognised the number. He had come across the woman on occasional audits at the sanitarium. She was put there after kidnapping and drowning two of her neighbour's children, insisting that voices commanded her to do so. Since her incarceration, she screamed constantly, begging the voices to go away. Passing her room and hearing her cries always gave him the chills. She wasn't screaming now, and the silence shocked Hall. Is she asleep? Perhaps, Blackwood answered. Doubtful it is midday after all. She's just so quiet, Hall mumbled. She must be heavily sedated. No, my dear boy. Blackwood laughed with genuine amusement. Medication is not always necessary for care. We have simply worked with her and taught her coping skills to help her through delusional periods. Now she can keep the voices at bay. Blackwood opened the door, and Hall found himself backing away uncomfortably. The woman was reputed quite dangerous. Occasional fits of violence caused some of the more severe injuries at the sanitarium. She calmly walked out of her room, allaying his fears. Her placid demeanour caught Hall off guard, and he stared at the woman in disbelief. He'd always thought that insanity would have a distinct look. Either he'd been wrong or this woman's sanity was intact. This is amazing, he said, turning to face the doctor. You swear there is no sedation here? Miss Jensen, Blackwood said to the patient, would you please run halfway down the hall and back? Without a word, she did as told. Hall watched her carefully as she ran, looking for any indication of sedation. Though she moved somewhat frantically, he couldn't imagine a heavily drugged person possessing as much speed. To his uneducated eye, she seemed physically and mentally well. Does she seem like a woman that could function in society? The doctor asked smugly. Could she be put to work and contribute to the growth of this city? She, she could, Paul stammered. 
the results of the doctor's work overshadowed the clerk's disdain for Blackwood's abrasiveness. I think I've seen enough to file my report, Dr. Blackwood. I should get back to my office to document my findings. Very well, then, Blackwood said, before turning his attention to the patient. Mary, please return to your room. I will be by shortly for our session. The woman did so eagerly, and the doctor locked the door behind her. Blackwood gestured down the stairs again and led Hall to the entry floor. The clerk said little as they entered the foyer. They exchanged expected formal pleasantries, and soon the clerk was on his way. With Hall out of the building, the doctor locked the entrance and turned toward the centre of the dimly lit foyer. That went well, he said to the shadows. I'm not sure what you did to make her run on command, but it was convincing. Terror is a powerful motivator, doctor, the woman said, emerging from behind one of the marble columns outlining the room. Leave the tricks to me if you want your dream to become reality. Yes, Blackwood whispered as he envisioned his dream. The Blackwood home for mental healing. Call it what you will, she said, moving close enough to whisper in his ear. As long as you don't forget our arrangement. I get nothing less than unfettered access to the patients. Break our deal, and your own mental anguish will be permanent and cripplingly painful. A warm breath in his ear distracted him, seemingly stealing his speech. He nodded without hesitation. Perfect, she said, as her fingers traced the arcane runes adorning the wooden box in her hand. There are great things in our future, Dr. Blackwood. That's it for another episode of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure.